0: there we really hope you enjoy this teaching from the message to find out more about all the exciting things we're doing and how you can get involved check out our website message.org.uk we're going to look at 2 Corinthians chapter 6 and uh, as I said right now who knows a thing or two about evangelism um or new, uh, he's in heaven now knew a thing or two about evangelism um can't do that anymore because he's with uh, a place where there's no people to convince. Everybody who's with him right now knows this is true, but he had his one shot in this life to make Jesus known, and I think he had a really good shot. He had a really good go, didn't he? Did his best to make Jesus known, and right now with him are millions of people who he's played a part in and being there. What a thought, hey? But right now, bonkie said, this is perhaps the greatest ever chapter written on evangelism. And if you work for the message, I hope key reason you've signed up, whatever your role is within this organization, is because you believe that we have public truth that must be heard. We are people with a message that must be heard, and we must compel men and women to respond to that message with faith Believing that the gospel still works, and it still changes lives, and people, when they're open to the gospel and respond to the gospel, everything changes with clarity, not weird religious notions, but just relevant teaching, and with that invitation, where we are, wherever we go, in all sorts of settings, we invite people, come on, accept Christ, we're evangelists, first and foremost, of course that evangelism is worked out in words and actions, but we're an evangelistic movement. And if Bonky says that this is the greatest chapter ever written on evangelism, we ought to be like, come on then. <laughs> what did Paul say that's so relevant to us today as we try and work that out in, in the 21st century? Um, let me read the first couple of verses of 2 Corinthians chapter 6. As God's co-workers... As God's co-workers, that's you and me, as God's co-workers, we're co-workers with the living God. As God's co-workers, we urge you not to receive God's grace in vain. For he says, in the time of my favour, I heard you. And in the day of salvation, I helped you. I tell you, now is the time of God's favour. Now is the day of salvation. I believe that is a word for 2022. This is the time of God's favor. This is the day of salvation. The harvest is on. The eyes of the Lord are ranging the earth, looking for evangelists who will join in and make him known and share this good news in words and actions day in and day out. Forgive me if you're in church on Sunday and I mentioned this, but I had a great phone call after prayers last Tuesday morning from. This old boy, in fact, he's a lot older than this now. You got a picture? Yes. This This guy's called Eric Delve. He's now probably 80. So this is maybe 20 years previous. But Eric Delve is literally the most powerful evangelist I've ever heard preach the gospel. Unbelievable. If you can track back and hear Eric Delve preaching on the cross, he will knock your socks off. My wife became a Christian under Eric Delve's ministry, and he's just an amazing man. Nearly died recently, he's been very poorly. Anyway, he prays for the message, and he regularly, well, not regularly, every few months he'll phone me up. he phone me up on Tuesday, and uh, he said, I've just been praying for you, and particularly for Withenshaw. And he said this fascinating thing. He said there was a time, right, when Eric Dell was like one of the major world evangelists. And in fact, Billy Graham preached at Wembley, And for Billy Graham never missed a preach. He would drag himself onto the stage, you know, nearly dying. But he was so ill this night that he had to step back. And so they got the young gun, Eric Delve, up to preach the gospel. And more people responded that night than any of the night Billy Graham preached. I mean, wow, this guy was like amazing. And uh, anyway, he, he came to Withenshaw to do a mission. Fully expecting the forum. Well, I'm filling stadiums around the world. Surely I'm going to be able to fill the forum. You know, like 750 people. He never filled it. I think they did 10 nights. And he had two young evangelists with him who was training up called J. John and Roy Crown. And they were the trio who did this mission. And you can imagine how good it was. It was. Uh, I was there every night, pretty much. And uh, But they never filled it. And Eric said, I was praying, Lord, why can't we fill this venue? What's going on? Why is this so hard? And the Lord said, you're not going to fill it, Eric, but people in the future certainly are. And he joined the mission. He said, what is this all about? Why is Withenshaw the hardest mission I've ever done in all my evangelistic ministry? The hardest place is travel the world. Why is Withenshaw the hardest place? And God said to him that week, you're turning over the ground, Eric, as you preach the gospel here for a future harvest. And he said to me, this is what you're experiencing now, and you're going to experience it in greater measure. I find that very exciting, don't you? Do it, Lord. And of course, we filled the forum multiple times since then. We filled it twice at Christmas, didn't we, just a few weeks ago. And we've seen hundreds and thousands and thousands of people respond in that venue. Eric said he was praying for us and God spoke to him clearly through Matthew chapter 4 where it says, as Jesus came out of the desert, he quotes the prophet Isaiah. He says, land of Zebulun, Galilee of the Gentiles, a light has broken forth. The light will overcome the darkness and it's the light of Jesus. But Galilee of the Gentiles is where Jesus came from. In other words, the Northwest, where the hard-hearted people live, those flipping Gentiles, you know, the land of Zebulun, the place where nothing's going on. All the action was in Jerusalem, backwatered Galilee. Guess where Jesus came from? Guess where a light shined forth from with this upside-down gospel. Anyway, something ace happened as well. Not only did I speak to that mighty man of God, I spoke to this mighty man of God as well. Yes, this is Les Hutchinson and I show you that picture because I want you to know, especially if you watch it online and you're not part of the message, there is somebody who works for the message who's older than me. <laughs> and he's called Les Hutchinson and, uh, and he heads up our HR. But Les went into the job centre in Withenshaw and he was chatting to the job centre people last week and uh, they were asking for more copies of our community grocery brochures. So they could give them out to Withenshaw people. Because they said, it's just such a brilliant thing you're doing. Feeding the poor families across Withenshaw. And they said this lovely thing to Les. Everybody's speaking so well of you. Everybody loves what the message you're doing. Everybody's so for you. And I'm like, oh flip. We've got the prophetic word. We've got all the kindness going on. Guess what the next thing that's going to happen is? We are going to pray for every street in Withenshaw. We've got an app, and in the next couple of weeks, at prayer day, please, if you're watching online, join in. You'll hear more about this. We've got an app, and we at The Message, we want the whole of Greater Manchester prayed for, and we're charging the church. But here at The Message, we're going to make sure 110,000 people are prayed for prayer walk in every street, say, Lord, fulfill your word to us. On the back of all this kindness, imagine if we can empty Withenshaw into Withenshaw Park on the 1st to the 3rd of July. Imagine if the gospel has been preached, the ground has been turned over, the prophetic word has come, the Lord's spoken through the Bible, are we going to see a harvest in Withenshaw? Come on, Lord. I'm excited about that. Today's the day of his favor. Today's the day of salvation, says Paul. Read on uh, as, as Paul brings these searing, challenging words about the work of the evangelist. Verse three he says, We put no stumbling block in anyone's path so that our ministry Bad report and good report, genuine yet regarded as impostors, known yet regarded as unknown, dying and yet we live on, beaten and yet not killed, sorrowful yet always rejoicing, poor yet making many rich, having nothing yet possessing everything. We've spoken freely to you, Corinthians, and opened wide our hearts to you. We're not withholding our affection from you, but you're withholding yours from us. Paul had received grace grace upon grace and he never got over it. You listen to his passion here, the gift of the gospel to grace and his understanding of it was so deep that it placed on him a massive obligation to share it with everybody. Have you felt that obligation as a Christian? The grace of God is so great to you. You'd be lost without it, you'd be hopeless You'd be heading for a a hellish eternity, but you're not because of God's grace. And with that comes an obligation to tell everybody. It's like for Paul, the worst thing you can do is keep quiet. And he describes it in this horrible way at the start. He says, as God's co-workers, we urge you not to receive the grace of God in vain. How could you receive the grace of God in vain? By keeping quiet about it. By not sharing it, it's like you receive the gospel in vain. Barna Research are like the world's biggest research, Christian research organisation. And uh, they, 1993, right at the start of the message journey, they did a piece of research and they asked Christians various questions. One is they asked, do you agree with this question, this statement rather? Do you agree with this statement? Every Christian has a responsibility to share their faith. Thankfully, in 1993, over nine out of 10 Christians agreed with that statement. They may not have been living it out, they may not have been practicing it, but at least they agreed with the statement from the Word of God that every Christian has a responsibility to share their faith publicly, i.e., we have public truth that must be heard. They did the same research recently, a couple of years ago. The number had gone down from 90 plus percent to 64%. Less than two-thirds of Christians now believe that we have a responsibility to share our faith. And maybe that's because there's been a move in terms of mega churches and great worship and fantastic youth work and brilliant kids work and great latte and cappuccino after the service. Whatever it is, maybe we've started to think, actually, it's all about me. And if I'm on my little discipleship journey, well, it's all fine. No, it's not fine. That is not the church that we've been called to be part of. We're called to a, a church with a message. How can you really believe that? What's the matter with you Christians? How can you believe that when Paul says, the love of Christ compels us to share the good news? Where's your obedience to the Great Commission? Where Jesus said, go, the last word's ringing in our ears. Where's your understanding of the love of Christ? Are you people who've received the grace of God in vain, Paul says. My next door neighbor, Pete, is a nice lad. He looks a bit like, you know, um, the Stone Roses. He wears a beanie out and he walks about, cheetle like this. right? But he's a, he's, a good, he's a really good laugh, actually, Pete. Except he's got one fatal flaw in his character. He's a Man City fan. He's, he's not, not just a Man City, Man city fan. He is, is a Man City, Man city obsessive. And, and I took some, some sneaky pictures, pictures over the weekend, weekend of Pete's car. Here's Pete's, Pete's car. And, and the reason he drives a knackered, knackered Nissan, Nissan Qashqai that's, that's hardly really roadworthy, because he spends all his money on Man City. city. <laughs> you know, he do, he sp- I mean, he spends fortunes following Man City. This is another sneaky picture I took of Pete's garage. That's what pete got. Imagine how painful it is for me living next door, but one to Pete. Every time City win a trophy, Pete puts two massive flags, blue flags out of his windows. He's got two bedrooms at the front of his house. They come out every time City win. And annoyingly, City win a lot of trophies nowadays. And imagine the pain every time I see those flags. Imagine what the first thing Pete always wants to talk to me about. How are y'all lot doing, Andy? <laughs> uh, not so good, Pete, actually, mate. Yes, OK, you support a better football team. <laughs> How can it be that a man called Pete can be so utterly obsessed, so unashamed about supporting a football team and we keep quiet about the greatest news in the world? Well, for Paul, that cannot be the case. It's like at all costs, by all means, never mind what suffering is involved, with all our energy, with all our resourcefulness, people must be told. Here's what Reinhard Bonnke said in his book called Time is Running Out. Sounds like a bonky book, doesn't it? And if you're as old as me and Les, that becomes very real. Time is running out. I feel it. You know, I do. I mean, hey. How long have I got? 10, 20, 30, 40 years. What's that in all eternity? And if you're young whippersnappers like most of you in the room, maybe you don't think time is running out. I'm telling you, time is running out. Because Jesus could come very soon. And even if he doesn't, time is running out. This is our one shot in all eternity to share with people who don't know Christ about Christ. What are we doing anyway? This is what my old bonky said. We must learn to appreciate The immense power of the gospel when it's preached in its original, unadulterated and passionate form. That's how you see the gospel power released. Preach it with the original, unadulterated, passionate form. The gospel has a strange and peculiar power. It finds an opening and reaches a person's heart obliquely. Any mere cleverness or modern psychology on our part is crude in comparison. The, appara- the ability to understand and manipulate crowd psychology-, psychology can achieve nothing compared with the power of the gospel. Do you believe it? As we preach the gospel, as we're prayed up, as we go in obedience, there's a power. You experience the power. That's why you're sat in this room. That's why you're logging on today. So many of you, because you've experienced the power. I experienced it as a teenager. It turned my world upside down. Why was I so hungry, so passionate? It's the power of God. It wasn't the clever evangelist at the front. And we need to see that released, don't we? How sad that so many stumbling blocks are putting people's ways to that gospel especially by his church. Everywhere I meet, prodigals, people who've not really fallen out in love with God, they're just falling out in love with his church. Church has put another weird religious stumbling block in their way, and they're disconnected from God, and they're not serving him on the front line of his purpose. God, don't let us ever put stumbling blocks in people's way. Paul says we put no stumbling block in anyone's path so that our ministry will not be discredited, discredited. Instead, we commend ourselves. And listen how Paul commends himself in verse 4 to 5. We, in verse 6 to 7, he says, in, in purity, in understanding and patience and kindness, in the Holy Spirit, in sincere love, in truthful speech, and in the power of God with the weapons of righteousness, in the right hand and left. Sounds like a good church, doesn't it? Imagine if we could be part of a church that was pure and understanding to people's difficulties and challenges, patient with people when they go a bit weird on us, kind in the Holy Spirit, sincere and loving. Sounds a great church, doesn't it? But in truthful speech as well, and in the power of God, with the weapons of righteousness, that's the kind of church I want to commend itself to a world in need, don't you? But then listen to what he also says. We commend ourselves. I mean, we kind of get that. Perhaps we don't live up to it, but we agree with that. How about this then? We commend ourselves, verse four, in great endurance, in troublings, in, in troubles, in hardships, in distresses, in beatings, in imprisonments, in riots, and in hard work, in sleepless night and in hunger. Perhaps I don't want to be part of that church. You know, I don't want beatings and riots and I don't want to be hungry. I don't want people to, to, to criticize me and condemn me. I don't, I don't want all that. But Paul's like, this is the way we endorse ourselves to the world that we go through all that stuff. We commend ourselves with a different spirit. We forget, don't we, living where we live with all our toys and trinkets that we're called to take up our cross, not... Once, when we become a Christian, you know, we lay it all down at the feet of the cross, but daily to take up our cross. We're to take up this symbol of humiliation and death and pain. I mean, who wants to do that? What's the matter with you, Paul? Are you some kind of masochist? I want to be the man of power for the hour. I want to live with joy and victory and triumph and glory. But of course, there's another side to it. There's twin tracks, isn't there? The only way to truly... Receive glory in the Holy Spirit, and as such possess everything that equates to true life is to take up your cross. And even embrace trouble and hardships when they come. And you know what, for the man or woman of God, it's a fair exchange. It's totally, where else can we go? Michael um, Kenyon came over on Monday. Maybe you saw this giant man, only about half an inch shorter than Daniel Eduardo. So it was a bit embarrassing walking around with them like this. <laughs> but uh, anyway, Michael came over from uh, Cambodia, and he's a missionary. Myself and Sam met with him, um, and he's doing a beautiful work out there. But he said during his time with him, he said one of the sad things about ministering in Cambodia amongst very poor people, many people coming out of the sick, twisted sex trade over there, they join a church And all this teaching is coming over, mainly from Hong Kong, prosperity gospel teaching. So these very poor people are being told, if you give your money into this church, God will give you a 100 times back in this life. They're even being told, give to the Lord and you'll stay young and healthy. Everything in the garden will be rosy. This is the path to victory. Give and serve in in the local church and everything will be changed. But how different. From the shallow is that shallow gospel compared with Paul's teaching here. When suffering and and weakness comes along, and brokenness and pain, if you fought, if you're living under that teaching, suddenly something's wrong, isn't it? Why has God abandoned me? What have I done wrong? But Paul, for Paul, this is the victorious Christian life through all that, overcoming in the face of all that and never backing down from preaching the good news, whatever's thrown at us. I love the last week's teaching, the message. Wow, Daniel Eduardo, wasn't it epic? Hearing him talk talk about the blood of the martyrs being the seed of the church, how challenging was that? Speaking about his old dad, who I've met, I'll never forget Daniel Eduardo's wedding. When we asked this fella to get up and preach, and he started, to, no, no, pray for Daniel, and he, he sang a gospel song over him. Do you remember that? <laughs> like, and he stood at the front of church. It was classic. But uh, but this old fella was ministering in Angolia in of time of great persecution, and was caught reading his Bible. So the troops battered them, battered him with their, the butts of their guns, and then he, he imprisoned him, and they. The leader of the army came in and said, what will be your last words before you face the firing squad? Daniel Eduardo's dad. His last words were, Jesus died for you on the cross and Jesus loves you. That's all I want you to know. And the army guy started weeping and let him go and he planted a church in Angola in the face of great persecution that now has 45,000 members. How amazing is that? I love Luisi. Yes, thank you, Jesus. I loved Louise's teaching about, well, I didn't love it. I hated it, but it hit me to the heart. I call my being, be hot or be cold, but don't be lukewarm, whatever you do. And that thing about never treat God as a business, Andy. Never treat him as a business just to feed your lifestyle or provide for you. No, you're Lord of my life, whatever it costs to serve you. And I don't think young people are leaving the church and have been leaving the church over the last couple of generations in Drove because the bar is too high. It's because the bar's too low. Easy peasy religion, just come and sign up and everything, the garden will be rosy, come to our vibrant youth meetings. Young people don't want that. They want a cause that's worth laying the life down for and we've got one. Three words to finish with that I believe should describe our evangelism in light of the greatest chapter on evangelism ever written. first word is this, urgent. Have you noticed this around, you know, this potential war in Ukraine, and please God, we don't want a war in Ukraine. But there is talk about tomorrow, as as Russian forces mass on the border, that tomorrow they could attack, and then who knows where that could lead. But as a result of the... Time is running out. There's a great amount of activity, isn't there, to try and stop that happening. A great amount of diplomacy, a great amount of interventions, anything we can do to stop this happening because it's going to be a flipping disaster. Time is running out for us. There needs to be an urgency. Can we not see we're going to see Jesus face to face soon? Can we not see he may come back tomorrow? And to live like that is a good way to live. So I'm going to share the gospel with as many people as possible, believing that today's the day of salvation, that God's favor is available to the worst, most broken, most hurting, wicked person on earth. The power of God can break in if he can do it for a nutty terrorist like Paul who is breathing threats, trying to wipe out the church. If he can speak these precious words, anything is possible. Just get an urgency about it as we go about our business, especially in this next next season. The second word is honorable. Paul is so concerned for the good name of the ministry, not so that the ministry looks good, but so that the gospel is seen as good. That's why I love this Les stuff so much. You know, just people speaking well of the message And all we want to do is use that as an excuse to tell them the message. It's a platform to share the message. Yes, the kindest thing we can do with the people in this neighbourhood is share the good news with them. We don't want to put anything to be a stumbling block towards that so that our ministry will be discredited, do we? So we want to live lives of kindness and generosity and And we want to live lives that are marked by service. We want to live lives that are marked by what Paul speaks about in 2 Corinthians 6. Truthful speech, sincere love, purity, understanding, kindness. And so there's a runway for the gospel rather than stumbling blocks all the way. And the third word, the final word, is sacrificial. As I said, in Paul's day and it was one of the great criticisms towards his ministry. And today, 2,000 years later, same boring old stuff. Success and triumph and breakthrough is what marks the man or woman of God. They're the sure signs, growth and impact. But Paul says, yes, we have that, but we have twin tracks. We also have deep challenges. We have opposition, we have all he describes in this chapter, and get ready in a couple of chapters, he's going to roll out the full roll call. Here's what endorses my ministry beatings with rods, nakedness, hunger, shipwrecks. He lists it all. You know, hey, you Corinthians who say maybe it's all victory and triumph, look at my life. I'm set apart as an apostle, but it's worth it. Because these light and momentary troubles are earning us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. There's an eternal glory for people when you share the good news and they receive it that far outweighs anything else in this life. Do we still believe it? An eternal glory that comes when ordinary men and women like me and you are prepared to take on any sacrifice. So our ministry is not passionately power plays, but it's weakness. The weakness of Jesus who died on a cross. This, says Paul authenticates his ministry, his Christian evangelistic ministry, which is what you've signed up for, people. Oh, flip. I don't want that. I want the easy peasy life. Well, part of me does, but part of me aches for a kingdom breakthrough, aches for Manchester to experience the favour of God. Are you with me? Do you get me? Part of me just aches to say, today's the day of salvation. I've put a new painting up in my office wall. It's a painting of the Hebridean Islands because I want to believe for revival. Well, I sit at my table every day and pray and I want to look at that picture because I've heard about what happened in 1949 when the Holy Spirit fell on the Hebridean Islands at three o'clock in the morning and lights came on all across the island and people were running out into the dirt, kneeling down, doing the business with God. And in the middle of the night, they flocked to the church to do business with God. That's all they knew to do. And work stopped and the kingdom came and Duncan Campbell and the very first message song we wrote, revival was all about it. That time when Duncan Campbell couldn't find a single person Across the islands of Lewis and Harris, who wasn't seeking after God. It's called a day of God's favour. It's called a day of salvation. Don't you want that? Well, it will come, people, I believe. I'm carrying the promise in my lifetime, I'm believing it. But actually only if we are those people who are willing to move with urgency and passion, to live honourable lives and to sacrifice it all for this great gospel. Let's stand together. Yeah, your word is so challenging, but so beautiful. And even in it, Lord, we can feel your great heart for lost people. Your heart burns, Jesus. You went all the way to the cross. And I'm sorry, Lord, for the times I'll lose sight of that and just chase after my ministry or my agenda. And Forgive me, Lord. Whatever it takes, we want to say this morning, let us experience truly the day of your favor to a next level. Truly the day of salvation where men and women are swept into your kingdom in unprecedented numbers and and the light and momentary troubles we experience are just totally taken over by the eternal glory that far outweighs them all. Let it be, Lord, a passionate, vibrant, joyful sacrificial bunch of Jesus followers, Jesus be the centre of it all and we pray you'll help us to lift your cross high over this city and many cities all over the world in this next season, all for you Lord. Let's have the band back, let's just press into this a little minute, yeah come on.